You, you and I got to do something really fun this last weekend, which was... What was that? We got to go to a destination wedding at a Young Life camp. Yeah. Which, like, let's, let's be fair, for uninitiated listeners, the mission of Young Life has... I think it's 26 camp properties in the continental United States. I think you're right because I see there's that framed poster at the Leader Lounge at Sharp Top that has, you know, the little graphic of yes, every yes, camp. Yes. And I think it's a five by five. Oh, okay. But that was before Clearwater. Before Clearwater Cove. And I don't think Tudor Farms is on it as well, which is not really a Young Life camp. Oh, okay. But maybe it is on there. Um, and also there's the new one in Texas. Maybe we're up higher. Okay, maybe we're getting... And there's the new one in West Virginia. Maybe we're at like 29 we're now. Getting, getting closer to 29 here. Getting closer to... Th- they need to make a new poster. Um, yeah, so a five by six. A little five by six. So anyway, Young Life Camp properties are like just from a standpoint of an adventure camp, incredibly cool, nice. They call them camps. They're resorts. Yeah. They're straight up resorts. This one that's in Missouri that we got to go to, the most probably the most comfortable young life camp there is. Yeah, that's a good word. But we got to go there for the wedding of the daughter of our dear, dear friend, contributor to the show, Bill Reeser. And his daughter Abigail married Yates Pruden, who is the son of another long time, like twenty plus years young life staff guy, Tom Pruden. And um, it was just, I mean, there are not a lot of like, it has not happened very often that someone's gotten married at a young life camp. Yeah. Like it's under 10 times. Right. Over. Right. And we got to go to one, yeah. which is really fun. But there was an added bonus for Thomas and for me on this trip, because not only did we get to go to a destination wedding at a beautiful young life camp in Clearwater Cove in Lampy, Missouri, like it's incredibly just gore it's just a gorgeous place it's an amazing place to spend the weekend like playing frisbee golf the day of a wedding going on beautiful walks like hanging out at the pool while potsy just trashes everybody in horse and pool basketball horse and also like sneak attack fully clothed <laughs> cannonballs everybody <laughs> yeah the, the background to this is the night before the wedding after the rehearsal dinner and and we're having a party at the pool. People are like, there's music playing. People are playing volleyball in the pool. I'm nervous, so nervous that somebody's going to go full meet the parents. Ben Stiller, like spiking a volleyball into the bride's nose and <laughs> like just bloody nose the night before the wedding kind of deal. The Marsha Brady. Yes, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Oh, my the, nose. The full Marsha Brady, Ben Stiller. But like, Right in the middle of all that, Potsy takes off running fully clothed in his hokas, like button-down shirt, everything, ball cap on, and just cannonballs into the pool. It was beautiful. It was fantastic. And also, yeah. the amount of air he got. He had to clear like one of those places you could sit technically in the water. Yeah. You know, it's like six inches deep on the edge of the pool. Exactly. But it wasn't like the edge. It was like a, it was like a five-by-six square and i think he had to clear my son jack too like he, he just he just he did, jumped yeah. right i mean the amount of athleticism jack's head still spinning he does not know what happened to this one i know it's like potsy's like 67 years old or something like that and he like he displayed so much athleticism like i don't know what is what is something like <laughs> i don't know he's up there <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't know. anyway so not only did we experience all these cool things in such a beautiful place but we had the added bonus of 
dear friend, longtime listener and supporter of the show, is just the landscape guru of Clearwater Cove, Corey McFreakin B. We got to see Corey, who is just a stud. I, I miss him. And it was so fun to hang out with him. Yeah, Corey, if you don't know Corey, he's just a wonderful dude, just like from um, our neighboring town, Oliver Springs, and just like one Former of these- Former roommate of mine. We shared a bedroom for that's a year. That's right. He, yeah. he used to live at the ranch with, with T. Cox and Sam Bingham and all these guys. Yeah. Um, and he, um, <laughs> like, Corey's one of those fun guys. Like, he, he like, has furious red hair that he- at one point grew out really, really long and had a big red beard. He looked like a Viking or like a, he looked like Hamish well, from Braveheart. He specifically cut his hair to look like a Viking at one point because there was an HBO show called Vikings. Okay. And he was like, I want this. <laughs> and it was unbelievable. At one point, he had big full red beard, really, really long red hair. And he was called Red Jesus, which is <laughs> probably... It's probably one of it's like just mentioning it as one of our ancient new heresies. Probably I didn't even, I didn't say it because and, of it. And then, but then he would take the hair and he would put it up in a top knot, and so then people called him Red Samurai. That's right. <laughs> so he's had these names for a while. Well, like um, and and Bill Reeser caught wind of it. So every time Bill would go to Clearwater, he would always get a, a picture with Corey, and he's like Red Samurai. Red, you know, like he would send it to us. Well. When I saw Corey this trip, he has like a very short, like adult male haircut <laughs> now. And the beard is gone, but just a solo, just like red it's a good mustache. mustache. Yeah, it's just a, a really good thick one. red mustache. Yeah. And so as soon as I saw him, I was like, <laughs> I just held it in my back pocket. But when Thomas showed up at Clearwater, I was like, check it out. It's red lasso. Oh, it was amazing. <laughs> And I haven't even watched Ted Lasso, which I know, I know I'm wrong. I want to watch it. I don't have, I don't have Apple TV. You plus. say that like you couldn't get it from Meredith today. Yeah, but Thomas's like, sister Meredith would give, give her password to Thomas here's right the after thing. the show. There's, a, there's the like. I'm texting Meredith today. No, because there's another layer to that, which is I'm her little brother when things like that happen. Right now we're friends. <laughs> We're we're I cohorts. Want a cookie grandmother. Yeah, we're cohorts and raising kids in the same family. Cohorts. We, you know, we can like, we can text about our our life insurance policies and which I don't I don't know that I have a life insurance policy. We can we can text about our mortgages. We can text about adult things. But the moment I say, "Hey, older sister," <laughs> you are not texting about your mortgage. I'm just I'm trying to make a point. The moment it's <laughs> ridiculous. The moment the idea I say, that you and and you're like. You know, hey, uh, yeah. Uh, let's talk about interest rates, Meredith. But the moment I say, hey, I do not want a cookie. Hey, Meredith, can I have your Apple TV Plus login? She's like, sure, little brother. That's all I'm oh saying. Oh my god! But no, it was amazing to see Corey. Corey has that camp. I don't know how to explain. There, there wasn't a place in my mind for that place because I've never been somewhere yeah. that looked like the Ozarks in Missouri, right? With one of the biggest lakes I've ever seen. Yes. This camp sits on a hill overlooking this massive lake. And you look to your left and you see the Ozark Mountains. You look to your right, you see uh, like uh, just a stunning backdrop of beauty and 
creation. But anyways, yeah. it was it was lovely. Corey has that camp looking spotless. I mean, he what is it that it, there's something about the way that he mows it that has to do with the way that strappies you, you, <laughs> you guys used to mow together in college, right? Yeah, we had a we friendly we, neighbor, lawn friendly neighbor lawn care for two years. Jeffrey Mason and I founded Friendly Neighbor Lawn Care, and then wasn't uh, wasn't one of Corey's titles in that business like bungee specialist? No, no, he was the ratchet strap technician. Ratchet strap technician. <laughs> <laughs> Red lasso, the ratchet strap technician. Yeah, making sure your stripies are exactly the way they should be. They did. They looked fantastic at camp. Everyone I, knows what a stripey is in a yard. I mean. You say day, that word, everybody knows what it is. The day of the wedding, we're coming over the hill for some breakfast, heading down towards like the biggest building on camp where they had like the dining hall. And and there's Corey on his riding mower, just making the heart of Bill Reeser so happy by cutting off maybe like one one hundredth of an inch of grass just because he mowed the it the day before. <laughs> he just wanted to he wanted to cross cut it so you could get stripies from everywhere you looked at it. It was fantastic. That's amazing. Yeah. Well, this, yeah, we had a great weekend. We had so much fun with Red Lasso. I mean, Corey's one of the funnest people to hang out with ever because he makes you feel like the stuff you say, like he just has great reactions to everything. Yes. So he makes you feel like you're funny. He makes you yes. feel like you're fun to be with. Yes. Cheers to Corey. You have Clearwater looking like the prettiest property in the United States. That's right. So fun to be with, such an encouraging listener to, mm. of the show for so many years, and yeah. we love you, Corey. Yeah. Welcome to Ancient and New. Yes. It's a Bible study podcast. Mm-hmm. Do you have some scripture that you'd like to point us to today? Sure. Take us there, T. Hebrews 10. Ooh. Whoa. Your favorite book of the Bible. That's <laughs> what it As soon as you said it, you just put that so I don't know where you got that, but... We had it. I mean, like, I'm not saying I don't love Hebrews. I'm just saying, like, I don't know where you got that it was my favorite. I've never declared it as. No, but I'm declaring it for you. You need somebody to declare it for you if you're not going to do it. I've always thought Colossians was my favorite or Philippians. Well, I could see Philippians. I wouldn't say Colossians for you. Wow. Wow. Yeah. You're like, Lee, you don't like Colossians. No, no, no. That's not what I'm saying, bro. That's what you said. Everybody I, I mean, in the hierarchy of things, I think it's Hebrews 1a, Philippians 1b. Colossians like three, but there's like a sneaky Malachi in there somewhere. You know what I mean? Like there's, a, I'm just saying there's like a, there's a sneaky minor prophet just lurking in the, in the weeds there. You're just making stuff up. No, I know you. Hebrews 10. I know my sister like I know my own mind. <laughs> and she would give you her Apple password anytime. No, I was thinking about you. You were my sister in that moment. Oh. <sighs> He doesn't know me, obviously. Okay. I'm going to start in verse 32. Okay, I'm excited about this. I, I was talking about, you and I were talking about this earlier. Just the idea that like, sometimes you, you read scripture and you know, like I'm going to get the, you know, these are the, the golden nuggets that I know is going to stand out in this place. I'm at like, yeah, because I've read it a lot. This is, and I, I feel like I've been reading the book of Hebrews and it's been like, those things are still there, mm-hmm. but I'm getting the new golden nuggets this go around. Ooh. You know what I mean? Like there's just like different, I guess it's just the season of life I'm in, which is cool. And I think that's a really cool thing about, um, the Bible, right? Like yeah. it's living and breathing and you're different every time you go to it. Right. Yeah. 
which I think is so cool. And so that's kind of been the, the case for me going through this and, um, I've really enjoyed it. So we're going to look at this and, um, I hope this is an encouragement. This has the potential to not feel that way. So I'm probably going to, I'm going to try my best to paint it that way as we're watching dudes re-roof this house. This is kind of, this is one of those things I could probably sit and watch for a while. That's a pretty Teacocks thing. Yeah. It's, Oh, these guys are doing their craft. Well, I've realized that I like, uh, satisfying and like, I also really like like ASMR things. Yeah. And that seems like a thing that I could like get a cup of coffee and sit on the porch and watch these dudes rip shingles off this house. Cause they come off in mass quantities. It's really cool. Yes. But also that chimney has been covered in a tarp for like 18 years. So it's probably time. Anyways, here we go. All right. Verse 32. Remember those earlier days after you had received the light when you endured in a great conflict full of suffering. Sometimes you were publicly exposed to insult to insult and persecution. At other times you stood side by side with those who were so treated. You suffered along with those in prison and joyfully accepted the confiscation of your property because you knew that you yourselves had better and lasting possessions. It's cool, right? So do not throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. You need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised for in just a little while, he who is coming will come and not delay. And, but my righteous one will live by faith and I take no pleasure in the one who shrinks back. But we do not belong to those who shrink back and are destroyed, but to those who have, who have faith and are saved. Um, there's just a cool encouragement here and it's a very common theme in the book of Hebrews of just spurning these people to like push on, to keep going. Yes. It's hard. What you're going through is tough. Don't right. give up. Don't quit. And you know, chapter 11 is just like one of the most unique chapters in the Bible mm-hmm. in the sense that you're recounting all these amazing people and how amazing their faith was. And let's um, shrink the old Testament down to one chapter. Yeah. Which is really, really cool. And then you're like, wait a second. This makes perfect sense. Um, but I just was, I was just encouraged by the author of Hebrews. Like, and I, I felt it in a, in a place, just the idea of like, Hey, when this, you remember how this felt early on when it was like, uh, you know, the bomb had just gone off and that's not a good way of describing that. Like it just, everything was loud and big and uh things felt easy like you were so like right on the other side of starting to follow jesus um you had your conversion experience however you wanted to pick that like and like with these people in particular there was some really crazy things right like your possessions were taken you were in jail you stood beside people in jail you were publicly insulted you faced persecution like a lot of things that we probably don't face um, some people, maybe some people listening to this somewhere are like, yeah, I've done all those things because of my faith. Um, but I do think we all probably remember an experience in our life where like it was easy to lock arms with other believers or just by ourselves and say like, I, you cannot move me off this spot. This is what I believe. You can't shake me. There's no way you can deter me from this. Um, nothing you say, do at me, about me, because of me, whatever is going to change how I feel about Jesus Christ and what he's done in my life. Um, I think we would all, we 
we all have experienced times where like we have gotten further away from the start of this and we've probably all like had moments where our faith becomes harder to walk out and we things like that become a little more shaky and um i just felt there was a part in the middle of this where the author says a thing where he's quoting a place in scripture which i think is super super cool where he says in just a little while he who is coming will come and will not delay and i just like i think it's easy to think about just from reading this to say like man there was that time at the beginning of my my walk with jesus where everything felt easy there was nothing anybody could shake me from and like i think it's easy to think of that from in a timeline perspective of like looking back on a moment at the beginning of this when like what if we flipped that and had the thought process of he's coming really soon yeah i think that would i think that changes that whole thing like i'm not I, i don't want to encourage the idea of living life like in the sense that like, uh, I don't really know how I would word that. Just like looking for trying to create highs because it's the only way. That's not what I'm trying to say. Like, I think it can, it can be really easy in our life to like bounce from high to high spiritually. Like I'm going to have this big experience that makes my faith easy. I'm going to bounce from that to that to that. I'm going to look for the next one. Otherwise I just can't do this because I don't think that's a good place to be in. I think those things happen naturally, but like, if you if you read the next chapter, you'll find out there are a lot of people who went through a lot of really hard things and had yes. to have faith through them. And absolutely. that's probably that's absolutely the story for everyone who's ever walked with Jesus. Like to some degree, your life is going to be hard. You're going to face things a lot of times because of your faith. Sometimes not because of your faith, but your faith is going to be tried in the middle of that. But I think there's a really cool practice that we all need to do, which is to think about. Jesus is coming as in just a little while. Mm-hmm. And just from like, like from a biblical standpoint, from, from the Lord's timeline, it is just a little while for us. It may feel like forever because we're, you know, according to Psalm 90, we get 70, 80 years on this earth, right. which in our minds, that's a long freaking time yeah. in, in the timeline of the Bible. That is, uh, minutes you know in the timeline of in god's timeline from what we know about the scriptures it's and, not long and the people that we know that are 70 right now are like how did this happen yeah it's super fast <laughs> yeah for me at 28 i'm like how the heck did i get here right. my child is eight months old now which yeah. in my mind is a crazy long time and i just dropped my really child quick. off at college right <laughs> but i just i want to get in a place where i'm thinking about the lord's coming as imminent and very soon in just a little yeah. while, he, he, he could show up at any moment. And I think it would change the way I think about yeah, my that's a paradigm shift. Yeah. I, the, the thing I want to point out in the scripture that, uh, that is just so cool is just two adjectives that I think would help. Like, I feel like if I think about the people that I can't not think about this because you and I are in the business of not only outreach, but discipleship with young people. And so I can't not think about young people who are just kind of starting their journey with Jesus as I look at this, but like um, these verses that you're reading, the author says, you joyfully accepted the confiscation of your property, Mm, Yeah, which is like, 
what? Yeah. <laughs> like, who joyfully accepts take it. the confiscation? Yeah, Get take it. Get it out of here. T- take it. I don't care. Um, you joyfully accepted the confiscation of your property. And then the author says this, because you knew that you yourselves had, and then here's the two adjectives, better and lasting possessions. Yeah. There's something that you have. And you're like, wait, possess, like you let somebody take your house or your car or your clothes. Those are your possessions. Um, your TV, your phone, whatever. And you were like, great, take it. I have other possessions that are better and actually lasting. And it's like, which we all know because we've, we've all studied capitalism that like that there's a thing called um, planned obsolescence and all the stuff that's, that's built in the in the modern world like it's like they they make light bulbs and lawnmowers to fail yeah they make things to break down they do it on purpose they they make it's like the death star in star wars they make it on purpose to to fail and to fall apart so that you'll have to buy it again it's the way the economy works like edison built light bulbs that are still working they know how to do it yeah they know how to make you can have one light bulb that you use in your house for the rest of your life. They just, they on purpose make them to fail. Right. Everything that we have is planned to fall apart mm, yeah. so that capitalism can keep going. Oh. Right. <laughs> um, we have, we possess something else. We possess promises. That's the way second Peter talks about it. That's we, cool. we possess promises of love. We possess promises of heaven. We possess promises that he is coming and he is coming soon and he will come and not delay. Mm-hmm. Like we have something better. We, I, I just love those two adjectives. I have something that's better and lasting and the love of Jesus, the promise of Jesus, the, the righteousness that I have in Christ it's better and it lasts. God, that's so good. Yeah, it's really cool. Those are such, it, I feel like those two adjectives are going to change my week. Wow. I'm so glad that you pointed us to them. Oh, well, I didn't. You did. Thank you. No, no. I mean, but you brought the scripture out apparently from my favorite book. It is. I don't know why you say apparently. Anybody listening knows that this is your favorite oh book of the Bible. You say stuff like that. Can I take us? it's true. Did you have more stuff you wanted to say off that? No. Can I take us to John chapter 11? Mm-hmm. Which, like, it's so fun. Like, you, you know, you talked about how, like, I go to certain places in Scripture, I know what the golden nuggets are going to be. And it's like, John 11, you immediately, your head's filled with, like, Jesus wept. And yeah. Lazarus come forth and all the things. This is, this is the chapter where Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead. But I want to point out two things. Um, I'm going to start in verse one. Now, a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister, Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. I love that right there because it's like Mm -hmm. he (laughs) he's given us a a trailer of something that hasn't happened yet. Yeah. In the telling of this story. Yeah. If you if if you had never read the scriptures and you started in John and you read that, you would be like, what did I, where what? did I fall asleep? Yeah, exactly. Like, what, what did I skip? What page got stuck together? <laughs> and that happens the next chapter. Yeah, it happens you, in chapter 12. Yeah. Right? But the thing that's really beautiful about that is that um, when that same scene happens in the Gospel of Matthew and in the Gospel of Mark, um, Jesus says a thing to his disciples. What, what Mary has, what she has done here will be told wherever the Gospel is preached. So they did already know it. Right. Um, which I just think is so cool. It's yeah. like, 
you already you already know this because that was a that was a prophecy of Jesus. Yeah. That everywhere the gospel is preached, I'm going to make sure this story is told. Right. So it feels to us like a movie trailer, but they already knew the story. Okay. Um, so verse three. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. And I just want to say, like, that's bold. Mm-hmm. It's bold to say, like, hey, out of all the people, you love our brother. Yeah. And he's sick. And we don't even have to say his name, Lazarus. We're just going to say the one you love. That's what we know about you. We know that you love Lazarus. So you need to know that the one that you love is sick. It just feels so bold. It just feels so... And you're like, dang, you guys are really confident that Jesus loves this dude. Yeah. Um, So let's keep reading. Verse 4. When he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. Now, and this is so cool. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Okay, so this is so cool. The first thing I want to point out is Martha and Mary were right. He did love Lazarus. Yeah. And like for them to be so bold about Jesus's feelings and affection for their brother was like, not only was it bold, not only was it just strong and out there, but they were right. He it, like John clearly tells us, by the way, they were right. He did love Lazarus. Mm-hmm. Two, what I love about the love of Jesus, because I'm always looking, like, when I'm reading the scriptures in the morning, I, I stole this from Tom Job, but like, I'm always looking for the Lord to tell me I love you. Mm-hmm. I want him to tell me something about his love. Um, I need that. I just need, I need, I need to be loved. I need to be told a lot that yeah. I'm loved. Um, and the thing that is so cool about this is that he, he could have said, now, Jesus loved them. Those guys from Bethany, he loved them. He could have said that, but he didn't say Jesus loved them. He said, now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Yeah. The love of Jesus, not only is it something you can bank on, not only is it something that you can just claim is true about you and you're right, which they did and they were right. But it also is, it's not just an umbrella over this. Now Jesus loved that family. Now Jesus loved those folks in Bethany that he hung out with. Now Jesus loved those people that he stayed with. No, Jesus loved her and her sister and him, Mm. Martha and Mary and Lazarus. And he takes time to make it that specific and that individual. The love of Jesus is something I can bank on. And the love of Jesus is specific to me and Mm. to you and to Red Lasso and to everybody else that this, everybody else's ears that this goes into, I can bank on the love of Jesus today for me. Mm. That's cool. I don't have like a, I can't expound on that in any way. You know what I mean? I just think that's awesome. I feel I feel encouraged that you said that, and I hope that it's something that we can, like, you know, that feels like a, a thing that you would probably want to uh, type on a note in your phone and screenshot it and make it your background because yeah. it's a simple little nugget that I think, I don't know, you probably need to see that and think about it a couple times a day. I do. I know yeah. that for sure. I can be bold about the love of Jesus. I can bank on the love of Jesus and I can know it's for me. Right. Um, I want to do something as we end this episode. That's a little bit different. If that's okay with you. I don't care. Um, yesterday, 
As we record this, it's um, it's Tuesday morning. Yes. Yesterday, um, a man called Frederick Beekner went home to Jesus. Oh yeah. He died at 96 years old. Which mm. you're like, my gosh, what a run! 96 yeah, years old. Yeah, it's a long time. <laughs> Incredible. He, um, Frederick Beekner, if you've never heard of him, was a he was a seminarian. He was a pastor for a little while. He was. Um, he was a writer mainly. Uh, he wrote 30 something books. He wrote novels. He wrote nonfiction books. He, um, he wrote these really cool books. Like he wrote this one book where he just wrote little blurbs about a bunch of different people in the Bible. Um, and, um, and another book where he wrote little blurbs, like some of them are a page long, some are a paragraph long, some are three pages about different things, different words from the Bible, like grace and, and sin and all that kind of stuff. Mm. Um, just he was just really thoughtful and really really good at words. He was also very honest. Just he he had had tragedy in his life. His his father took his own life, and his mother did not allow him or anybody in the family to talk about it or to be honest about it ever, never. And that he realized as he grew that that was a really stifling thing that was keeping them all from growing. And, hmm. and so he got to a place in his own life with his relationship with his wife and all the, these other kinds of things. And his relationship with Jesus where he was like, there's nothing more toxic than being dishonest about who you are. And so he just started telling the truth all the time. And, hmm. <laughs> um, just about, what, can I just like, yeah, that thing is amazing. That thought right there is amazing. Yeah. What if we, I mean, yeah, you want to be free in the world? Exactly. You That right there. Don't hide anything from anybody. Just be honest. Yeah. Accept who you are. Other people, let other people accept who you are. Do it, the thing. It made him, I think it made him the writer that he was that was able to connect with people at such a deep level just because he was just, there was just no fake, glossy anything yeah. about his faith. It was just, it was, it was just, he was sweet and he was kind and anyway because we're reading about Lazarus I thought I would read something that he wrote about Lazarus Ooh, yeah. just as just as a way to say like Fred Beekner's helped me a lot and mm. I'm and I'm thankful for his life I'm thankful for his heart and I'm glad he's with Jesus today and um, uh, and this is going to be this is this is actually going to line up with the fact that he's seeing Jesus face to face because this is about Lazarus <laughs> um, It says, when Lazarus died, Jesus didn't arrive on the scene until several days afterward. But he found the sisters still so broken up, they hardly knew what they were saying. With one breath, they reproached him for not having come in time to save their brother. And with the next, they told him they knew he could save him still. Then, for the first and only time such a thing is recorded of him in the New Testament, Jesus broke down himself. Then he went out to where his friend's body lay, and he brought him back to life again. Recent interviews with people who have been resuscitated after being pronounced clinically dead reveal that after the glimpse, they evidently, um, after the glimpse, they evidently all of them get of a figure of light waiting for them on the other side, they are very reluctant to be brought back again to this one. (laughs) On the other hand, when Lazarus opened his eyes to see the figure of Jesus standing there in the daylight beside him, he couldn't for the life of him tell which side he was on. Um, thanks, Mr. Beekner, for lots of great words. 
thanks for pointing me and so many folks to Jesus. And I'm grateful to the Lord for a sweet life. And I'm, and I'm glad you made it. Sorry. Thanks, guys, for listening. We love y'all. Hope you have a wonderful week. Thanks. I'm Lee. I'm Thomas. This has been Ancient and New. Jesus, lover of my soul. Let me fly, let me fly While the near waters roll While the tent is still as high Hide me, oh my Savior Till the storm of life is past Safe into the haven guide Oh, rescue my soul at last Other refuge have I not My helpless soul on me Leave out, leave me not alone Still support and comfort me Let me fly